0: The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. My name is Ryan Church, one of the guys on staff here at The Inn. And I also, uh, similar to the bro bashes or the bash bros or whatever they are, uh, want to extend uh, an invitation to the Winter Retreat this weekend. It really is, uh, as Brittany shared about, an opportunity to become all the more invested in this community, to get uh, to to be known a little better, to find out some more of the opportunities that uh, you have to grow in faith and in community uh, in this place. So please uh, come and join us this weekend. We're going to get to hear from a guy that you heard a few weeks ago, a guy named Harvey Drake, and he's going to be sharing more with us about what it means to live a transformed life uh, as we reflect on Colossians 3 uh, together over over the weekend. So I know that you will come back uh, both challenged and inspired. And please, please, please hear this. If you find yourself sitting out there going, man, I would love to go to this weekend, uh, but money is an issue for you, that the $85 fee is getting in the way, please come and talk to uh, Janie or myself over at the Winter Retreat table following me in. We'd love to find a way to uh, to get you the Winter Retreat uh, this weekend. So please, uh, if, if you're at all interested, uh, come uh, this weekend, and, and we're going to have a blast. All right, uh, I am reminded that the journey of faith is a very long one and i'm reminded of this every time uh, that i sit down with my family around the dinner table as you've heard me share before we have a 3 year old son who is is now in this really just this really sweet place of of really being the prayer enforcer before we eat you know, he is the one who, you know, if Julie and I are kind of, you know, trying to sneak a few bites before, you know, before we eat he, recently, he's been the one saying, you know, let's pray. I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> whatever you say. And, and then he says, I'll pray. I'm like, OK, good, good. So then uh, Carson, you know, he, he folds his hands and and uh, he prays this really sweet prayer that is is led both by what is before us and the the you know, perhaps the behavioral issues that we've been working with him on. So his prayer sounds something like this. "Dear Jesus, thank you for these carrots. And thank you for uh, these apples and this yummy pepperoni pizza. (laughs) And for ice cream. And Lord, help us stay in our bed tonight. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. if the point when we get to when he's saying, and help us stay in our bed tonight, Julie and I are responding being like, oh, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, let that be, let that be. But what I love about when Carson prays is that he's totally incapable of faking it, you know, and, and to to see how this, this little person who is starting this long journey of faith has connected with enough to say it, it somehow starts with a prayer of gratitude for every single morsel that's on your plate, and then he's no he he has heard enough uh, perhaps in Sunday school here at UPC or or by listening to Julie and I that that I, I was just struck the first time he asked the Lord for help on something even like staying in bed, you know which honestly I bet we we would all want to pray that prayer right prayer right now right. Uh, but that th- he knows something about about who the Lord is, and he responds in gratitude, and knows that this is one he can ask for help. It's where he's at right now, and it is awesome. And I, I share that because I want to wrap up tonight the series that we've been doing that we started back in the in the fall, a three part series that that really follows the movements, uh, really that in in the words behind me. Uh, we started back in the fall looking at this idea of, of belonging. That moved us into the, the second part of fall quarter and believing. And, and here in winter quarter, we've, we've been looking at this idea of becoming the church, becoming the body of Christ. And my hope over what we did fall quarter up to this point is to give you the broad strokes of what a life of faith, this thing that we call discipleship, looks like. Now, the thing is, is that there is no easy formula to put the life of faith into. As much as I would love to stand in front of you and say, following Jesus is as easy as this simple checklist. Do these things and it will make you spiritual. Friends, I'm here to tell you that it doesn't work that way. The good news, bad news, uh, depending on uh, perhaps on your major, the way that I would say this is that the, the, the life of faith is not Something that can be engineered, okay? For those engineers, and they're going, ah, okay. The life of faith is much more of an art than it is a science, and so it is. We take this long view that, that where Carson is at right now, he will move away from that at some point. His faith will change. It will grow. It will become more sophisticated. It'll be challenged. So, in belonging, believing, and becoming. We're talking about three movements that help us understand that the life of faith is not something to be figured out or mastered, but something where we continually step into mystery and chaos with a hope and a trust. That what we find there, what we root ourselves in is something much bigger than ourselves and our own competencies, our own achievements and our own gifts. The life of faith is discovering that the living God is real. That's what this is about. This is why we gather with this, this curiosity of going, who are you, Lord? Are you real? And, and how might I discover more of this in my life? No checklist. But there are these movements, these ideas. And, and we're going to recap those and then hear one final encouragement a challenge a charge uh, from jesus that says go regardless of if you have yourself figured out regardless of what sin it is in your life the lord says go on this journey of belonging believing and becoming so as we get started let's let's do a, a bit of a rewind and, and look uh, briefly at each of these before we uh, wrap it up and sing a, a few more songs. And you can be turned loose to uh, sign up for winter retreat and go study for your midterms. Okay, first, we belong. Okay, we belong to God and we belong to each other. What I want you to hear is that before you believe or become anything, in part, what the cross means is that you belong to God. And by virtue of belonging to God, we know that we belong to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. You belong. My hope is that anybody who comes into the inn for the first time immediately feels a sense of, I belong here. They feel like they are welcomed here. Because that is what, as I read scripture, is the first thing that God does. It says, you are my people. You belong to me. Uh, One of the, this is kind of an interesting factoid. Uh, Next month we will celebrate this thing called St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick, his great contribution to the Christian faith was really introducing this idea as as he took the Christian faith to Ireland. That before he made those folks on the Emerald Isle believe anything, what he communicated to them was, you belong. You see, Jesus is the one who pursues us. So often we make it about our faith journey, but it is Jesus who pursues us and our imperfections, our sin, our hypocrisy. Jesus is the one who, for example, in Luke 5, heals a paralyzed man before going out and calling a filthy, rotten traitor, okay, a tax collector named Levi, to belong, to follow him. And then the story continues, again, Luke 5, chapter 29, it says this, Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, after he agreed to turn from his ways and follow him, and a large crowd of other tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When we talk about the idea of belonging, we are talking about one who pursues us in our sin. He does it first. And so when we see the cross, one of the things that we are reminded of is that our belonging comes at, at a high price, meaning that there wasn't any distance that Jesus wouldn't go to say, you, a sinner, also belong. When you look at the cross, remember that it's for you. It's a symbol that you, too, belong. Second, we believe Belief is something that, at least as I think about it, it always feels like something that we should be doing a little bit better. I find myself often wanting to have more faith or more hope, feeling at times like, even as I just talked about the cross, feeling at times like, shouldn't the cross mean more to me? Shouldn't it make me feel something more than it does? And again, I want us to turn to a story of Jesus healing, and in my opinion, is one of the most profound confessions of faith in all of the Bible. This is Mark 9, beginning at chapter 17. Again, a healing story. A man in a crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by an evil spirit. Uh, That man has has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at teeth, and becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, Jesus, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. What a confession. What a confession. I do believe, help my unbelief. One, a confession that I guess many of us in this room could identify with. You see, the disciples were confronted with their own limitation. They couldn't do it. But one of the, the primary parts that this story communicates to me is Jesus saying... With what you believe, reset your expectations. Believe that Jesus can do it. Anything is possible for the one who believes. And so when we talk about this journey of belief, we talk about being on a journey where we can see that God is more real and more present than than we tend to give God credit for. For those of you that that, uh, perhaps that are seniors or juniors that have been coming to the end for a while, this is a nail that I hit over and over again. I would say that over the, the last, I don't know, six, seven years of my own faith this has been the primary discovery of it, that God is more real and has redeemed way more than I have given God credit for in my own life. At risk of a bit of an overshare here, over the past four years, I have regularly spent time with a therapist uh, to process through a number of, of painful events and perhaps um, odd behaviors, <laughs> That I sometimes demonstrate in my own life. Uh, for example, my both of my folks are on are on their their third marriage, uh, and and there there have been some things that have happened in my life that have given me great reason to doubt. Some some things that just left me going, really, God, is that the is that really how this work? And so, meeting with a therapist has been a time to process through those things. And in, 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 in these meetings, and I can't say that they are, they've always been, been pleasant. In fact, if you're seeing a good therapist, most of the time, it's not going to be pleasant. In fact, it can really suck. But ultimately, the fruit of my time in meeting with this therapist and in processing through some of these things that have happened in my own life, the fruit of it has been that I can see that God has redeemed my life, redeemed my family way more than I tend to give God credit for. You see, I begin to believe that God can do more than I initially think he can. So my hope is that we can grow in belief by resetting our expectations about what we think Jesus might be able to do in our own life. And so this is where I, I uh, you know, perhaps sound like a, like a prototypical preacher in saying, this is why you need to read your Bible, not so that you can become a good Christian. Not so that you can just kind of check it off the list, but when we read the scriptures, as as I've just read to us two stories now, of what does Jesus do? Jesus heals. Jesus redeems. And when we read these stories, when we expose ourselves to them and begin to trust them more, we have the opportunity not to be good Christians necessarily but to begin trusting that God can redeem more than we would ever ask or even imagine. That's why we read the Bible to discover who God is so that when when we're walking onto campus going back to our house stepping into a restaurant we might, we might have our eyes trained to see wait a minute I know that. That is the work of a redeeming God right before my eyes. That's why you read the Bible. Not necessarily to make you feel better, though it might do that at times, you read it to help you see and understand and identify what God is doing in this world. And what you're going to see is that God is saving and redeeming the world and you are included. Finally, becoming. When we talk about becoming, we talk about becoming the body of Christ. This is about the transformation that happens when we relinquish power or, and I should even say, when we relinquish perceived power, when we relinquish uh, kind of the the garden variety cultural narcissism that we have in in looking at ourselves, some people might call this navel gazing, and instead begin to look outward and give ourselves away in in love and service of others and that that 's really what what uh, Janie and Kevin have been talking about over the past two weeks is about how we respond to the love of God. We don't, we don't earn it, but we respond to that love. When we are talking about becoming, we are talking about something that is deeply countercultural. Instead of, of pursuing something that sounds a lot like me, 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 it's going to sound a lot more like, no, 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 you, you, you. We lift our eyes off of ourselves and get it on to others. We lift our eyes upward and again find ourselves going, God, what are you doing in the world and how can I be on board? One of the the primary, I don't know, movements of Christian spirituality is the idea of relinquishing, of letting go of control of giving your life away to others. In this journey of faith it's it's less about finding ourselves. This is I mean you want to talk about something countercultural. It's less about finding ourselves and more about losing ourselves. But we lose ourselves into the one who has said you belong. We lose ourselves into the one who redeems. And this is hard. This is where where these expectations that we have become participation. They go from expectations that we have when we believe to participating in the work of what a redeeming God is doing. Now, this journey uh, can be. Very mysterious. What it means to become, to struggle uh, in this idea of faith. We have not been called to certainty. We have been called to faith. It's mysterious. It's chaotic. We don't fully get it. We we struggle with this. And I, I want to share with you a story of the of a a prominent time when I uh, when I struggled with with an idea of. This isn't totally certain. What, what do I do? I feel like I want more answers, but I don't know how to get them. And so I, I returned to uh, circa 2001, around about the month of August. And me and Julie had been dating for just over a year, save a short uh, period where she broke up with me. Don't blame her. But we got back together. And things began to move uh, pretty fast. Well, on one Saturday morning, Julie was out of town. We had talked about things, and and it was a beautiful Saturday morning. I get up, and I I surprised myself even by walking into a ring store. Okay, I I, I had done my homework. I knew that she wanted a platinum setting, princess cut idea, you know, all those things. So after looking around for a while I finally approach the clerk and say yeah you know this ring right here this is you know this is looking pretty good I think that this is probably in line uh, with with what I'm looking for and uh, so you know the clerk is really helpful and she's she's getting this out and I'm like yeah this is the yeah this is the one I want you know and so we walk over towards the the checkout stand and as we're getting ready to you know to to move into the process of financing this thing <laughs> I kind of had this, I just looked at her and said, excuse me for a moment, and I bolted straight out the door. Okay. And I walked, and I walked, and I walked. I, I went and had some Big Macs, and then I walked, and then I walked, and then I walked. I thought about having more Big Macs, but didn't. Came back about, I don't know, just over two hours later. And said, you know, went to the same clerk and I just said, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And she kind of, she kind of laughed and she said, it happens all the time. (laughs) And then she says, are you, are you ready now? Okay. And I said, yes, let's do this. Now, trust me when I say in, in. Two hours, I did not get all my questions answered about, do I want to be with this person for the rest of my life? Do I really want to do, is she the right one for me? Am I the right one for her? But there was something that said, go. Something that said, go. I want to read for you. The last words that Jesus gives to us before being taken up into heaven. It says, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, in this story... One of the the first things that that the group of students that I meet with to prepare talks, the in-speaking team, uh, one of the first things they noticed was this line that said, they worshiped, but some doubted. Now, these are the people who are closest to Jesus. And they're sitting there going, seriously? Is this really happening right now? Given that, that... who the the disciples are? I think this gives us an accurate picture of what discipleship is. Is that it is this this dance of faith and doubt and how they intermix of not having all the answers of not having it all figured out. It would have been much easier for the people uh, who wrote these gospels to to say, and the disciples full of faith were amazed and fell on their knees prostrate before the Lord, saying, Lord, we believe, we believe, and we will do anything. If you were writing a document to somehow convince people of the glory and majesty of God revealed in Jesus Christ, wouldn't wouldn't that be a much more compelling case? But instead, we get these people who said they doubted and they still worshipped. You see, on that day when I was in the ring store, I, I was immediately confronted with all of the unanswered questions. Do I really want to do this? And what I worked out over that, over that couple hours of, of walking was saying, I'm in. Even though there are doubts. Even though I don't have all of the answers That I would like to have, I'm gonna commit both to this decision and to the consequences of that decision. Why? Because I trust that God is present. That's the promise at the end of the Great Commission. And that the presence of that God is the presence of a redeeming God. You know? The front end of of marriage could be hard. The back end could be difficult. But I'm going to trust that the presence of God is a redeeming presence. And so I will hear in that in that moment with the ring store, I will go. I will do this. I will continue. And it's the same for us in a life of discipleship. It is not about us getting ourselves right and then going. No, it is who we are right now that Jesus says, go. Take your doubt, take your sin, take your questions, go. Teach with your words and with your life and communicate to others this redemptive love that gives hope. So this is my great hope for you. That before this is ever about getting ourselves right, this is about understanding who the God of the Bible really is. And that God is a redeeming God. Now, what stops you from accepting this invitation to go? Perhaps it's a fear of what others will think. Perhaps it's an awareness of a, of a perpetual sin. Maybe it's just plain busyness or expectations that others have for you. In almost every case of what stops us from going and making and baptizing and teaching and really sharing the good news is that we are more concerned about ourselves than we are with God. And we forget God's promise to be with us. I'm here to tell you that God is more concerned about you than you are. And God is equally concerned about your neighbor and your roommate and your mom and your dad and your family than you are. God is the one who is more concerned. Where do you evaluate yourself and say something along the lines of, I'm not good enough? I doubt too much. I lust too much. I flat out sin too much, and I certainly don't know enough of the Bible. Well, it's not about you being enough. Belonging, believing, and becoming is saying that God is enough and trusting in God's presence to be with you and that that is enough. Belonging, believing, and becoming is primarily about the discovery and response of the God who is enough as we understand that we never are. So my hope is that you would quit wondering where you stand with God and trust that you belong. God loves you. My hope is that you would believe that God is love and redemption and that Jesus loves you and that you would believe that. And my hope is that you would relinquish A focus on self. And commit to a focus on God and on serving and loving others. That's what it means to belong, believe, and become. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that your invitation for us is to come to you, to follow you, and to go. Despite our inadequacies, despite our sins, despite our not being enough, Lord, help us to know and understand all the more that you are. Help us to be attentive to your spirit and give us the courage to follow you and to go wherever you would have, wherever you would call us, trusting that you are with us always, even to the end of the age. Amen.